Welcome to Health Media Now with award-winning author and host, Denise Messenger, for a lifetime of health empowerment. Live by being in the pink, meaning P stands for being persistent, I stands for using your intuition, N stands for networking, and K stands for obtaining knowledge. Our guests entertain and share cutting-edge information. They share with you what may have taken years to achieve through experience in their field. Become inspired and motivated. Reach your full potential with fascinating tips and products. Receive a lifetime of benefits from authors, doctors, practitioners, healthcare providers, and learn about exciting new products. You asked for it, and we deliver. Now, here's your host, Denise Messenger. Well, hello, everyone. I hope you're all doing well today, which is April 17th, 2019. Thank you so much for joining us. We're going to have a wonderful guest for you all today. Her name is Dr. Kyra Bowinnit, and she is going to be discussing patient engagement and empowerment. You're probably wondering what that is, and we will define it for you today. I'll give you a little bit of background on her. She received her master's in public health at Harvard University, and she specialized in healthcare management technology-enabled behavior change, and population health management. She received her, I think she received her medical degree from UCSF School of Medicine. And when she's not geeking out on neuroscience literature, you can find her hiking on her land and studying bird behavior and meditating. So let's bring her on to our show now. Welcome. Welcome to our show. Thank you. It's wonderful to be here. I'd like to start out by asking, how did you get on the path that you're on today? Where did this all start? Where, where did you get the idea? Yeah, yeah. So it's, it's definitely driven by this question of why people do what they do. And um, there's a couple of bus stops on my path. Um, one was when I was going into residency and I had a patient in a clinic visit where he had been, uh, you know, having some pain in his toe and very quickly I diagnosed that he had a gouty toe, which is very painful to walk on. And as I'm writing this prescription, I'm asking him, so how did this happen? You know, how did this flare up? And he said, well, you know, I did meth three days ago and I haven't been to sleep since. Oh my gosh. He did meth which led to dehydration, which led to the gouty toe. And I thought to myself, I'm at the wrong end of this animal. And, but it wasn't quite clear yet. It was, it was a little clue. And I went to public health school, and I went to a large uh, company that did very large-scale intervention design and started to get some traction on some clinical studies and things that I was running one of which was my next bus stop, which was a patient named Lisa. And I was interviewing her during a weight loss study that I was doing in conjunction with Duke University School of Medicine. And she was uh, in in a treatment arm where people would lose weight. And so she was describing to me, I asked, how's it going? And she said, you know, I am really learning how to eat better. I I never knew uh, how to eat or when to eat or what to eat. 
and I'm, I'm exercising, I'm doing all these things, and I'm losing weight. And I said, that's amazing, you know, I'm so glad for you. And then she pauses and she says, but I know what I should do. I don't know why I don't do it. Mm-hmm. And that was kind of my awakening. That was the thing I had been unconsciously pursuing for decades, and then it just popped in that moment into that's my purpose in life. And so, and so for me, that led to behaviors, studying behaviors, and that led, of course, to the source of all behavior, which is our brain. You know, and so mm-hmm. that's really where it all comes from. And then when it came time for me to do my company. What I wanted to focus squarely on is that question, you know, how do we solve for this problem of we know what we should do, we have the knowledge sometimes, but we don't actually get ourselves to do it. And so Engaged In is squarely focused on closing that gap between between our good intentions and what's mm-hmm. good for us and what we actually do. Mm. Psychology involved in this? <laughs> Yeah, I think every manner of psychology, behavioral <laughs> science, neuroscience, you know, just the whole gamut. Um, it's very multidisciplinary. I think there's so many fields with so much insight uh, that, mm-hmm. that to me, I feel remiss just focusing on one area. I, I really like to bring it all together and, and, and study what, what people are learning in all their fields. Would you care to give us a example of someone you worked with yeah, wherein their actually, behavior changed? Sure. Um, if you don't mind, I'm going to use my mother because, you know, I, as a behavior <laughs> sure. designer, as a behavior designer, nobody's safe. You know, I, all my, my children, <laughs> my parents, my husband, everybody gets behavior designed, including myself, and, and my whole company does this too, to ourselves. So she was at my house and uh, last summer, and she... I noticed was getting up in the middle of the night and using the restroom. Mm-hmm. And I was thinking, oh, my gosh, what's going on with her? You know, and I didn't know. She lives far away, so I don't get to see this kind of okay. behavior every day. And in the morning over breakfast, I said, hey, Mom, you know, why are you getting up so much at, at night? She said, oh, I don't know. I, you know, I have, to, I have to use the restroom. I said, well, how long has that been going on? And she said, well, I guess I didn't notice that it was, you know, increasing, but I think it's, you know, four, four, maybe five times a night. And I was like, oh, my gosh. I said, you have to go when you get home to Oklahoma. You have to go to your doctor and get tested for diabetes. And, of course, she didn't want to because that's mm-hmm. scary to get a diagnosis yes. if you think something's wrong. There's so many times when we put that off and procrastinate. Mm-hmm. So she did for a couple of months, and I, I told her, I'm not going let, to let up on you. I'm just going to keep badgering you. And so she did, and she got diagnosed. And then what, what made sense was, you know, there's things that she, her doctor wants her to do that are single-time things, like, you know, getting a prescription for the first time is, is a one-time deal. And then you, know, you go back every month or so. Getting a sense of whether the insurance is going to cover it is another sort of aspect of that. But once you're through that hoop, you kind of know what you're doing. But there's this thing called habits, Right. So in with all of these things that the doctor wants her to do, there are food habits he wants her to change. There are exercise habits he wants her to change. And so I started to organize things for my mom that would actually make it easier for her and more default for her to do these new habits. For example, I found a uh, very you know, kind of ketogenic uh, food service in Southern California that I then 
subscribed to and sent her food for like three months. And this mm-hmm. really got her over the hump because she didn't know how to eat differently. I knew she was just going to keep going to McDonald's. And <laughs> and she also has this you know, aversion, like most of us do, to vegetables because we think they taste bad. And so by having a meal service that cooked sauces and added flavor and cooked with fresh herbs, she had a whole new awakening to that she could eat. She actually did enjoy vegetables. And as long as she could have, you know, her protein and her vegetables together, she was totally cool with that. And now that's how she eats. And in fact, the last time she went to the doctor, her A1C, which is the average of her blood sugar, right. was 6.3, which is very good and normal. Mm. Did she stay on that food service? No. So this is something that's interesting. You know, most people don't know how to design for our own behavior, and we mistakenly think that a new habit, have you ever heard the term, you know, the new habit takes three weeks or 21 days uh, to start or, or to establish? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so so have you ever heard of where that comes from? No. Okay, so, you know, there was a, a plastic surgeon in the 1960s who noticed that his patients would take about three weeks to get used to their new nose, and that's where that urban myth started. So it's not validated by brain science. Actually, if you look at the brain science, it takes about 10 weeks before something becomes easy and automatic for you. It doesn't mean you won't relapse and kind of go back and forth between your old way and your new way, but it's less laborious after about 10 weeks. That's interesting. Yeah. Well, it's just like when people try to get off sugar. I mean, sugar is just so incredibly addictive. Right. Exactly. Exactly. um, Yeah, probably does take about 10 weeks. Yeah, with with sugar, there's kind of the initial chemical withdrawal, you know, just like any mm-hmm. drug, the way it operates mm-hmm. in your brain. Um, and then that's about three days, and about a week, you start feeling better. But in terms of, you know, let's say you're eating a new way that you're not super familiar with, and it's hard work, and you've got to cook and that kind mm-hmm. of thing, what happens is that if people think it only takes three weeks, but they're three weeks in, and then maybe they run over at work and they've got to do dinner really fast, the second they have a challenge to their new routine, they will revert to their old way of eating, right? And they mm-hmm. might do a big sugar thing, you know, they might drink mm-hmm. a big sugar drink just to get some energy, you know. And then they think, oh, I messed up, and then they quit. And so mm-hmm. really the, the main issue with what I've found is that the main difference between people who change their behavior effectively versus those that don't is that they simply don't quit. Yeah. Tough deal. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And and the reason why we think we quit, right, the, the, the thing that I thought was so interesting about the brain is that there's an area of our brain that detects, it's like a failure detector. And so if we think we failed, if you think you failed at changing your eating habits or whatever you're trying to do, the failure counter in your brain actually has control over your motivation, mm-hmm. and it will kill your motivation to try again. So most people don't know that, you know, and so they think they failed, and they don't realize that if they think they failed, they're not going to feel like trying again. Huh. So what we found in our research is that 
people who keep going, who don't quit. It's not just some, you know, different personality type. It's just that they simply find another explanation besides I failed, and that keeps them safe from their brain killing their motivation. Does that make sense? It does. I don't know if they would actually think of the actual word failure. Right. What do you think, what do you hear people you know, I just didn't. I just didn't want to do it anymore. Right, right, exactly. Mm-hmm. I just don't mm-hmm. want to do it anymore. Which is kind of mm-hmm. a downstream conclusion, right, from the feeling mm-hmm. of failure. Maybe happened unconsciously or subconsciously mm-hmm. that you didn't realize mm-hmm. that you thought you failed. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so, and, and particularly when it comes to diets, because a lot of times you just you're so darn hungry. <laughs> <laughs> I recently, I recently did did this three-week thing where there wasn't hardly anything that I could eat. And I was just hungry all the time. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. And not to mention just how foreign, you know, because then you're having to calculate every little thing you would naturally automatically eat. You have to re-evaluate it. And that burned brain energy. There really wasn't that much that I could eat. So it wasn't a complicated deal it was just i was just hungry <laughs> oh wow so did you finish it or did you did you i did bail on? no you i did. no 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 wow i i did finish it but it wow. was that last week was so hard really yeah. hard and how do you feel yeah. about it now having done it i'm glad that i accomplished it mm-hmm. i really am mm-hmm. um Good. i don't know today if it helped Right, right. <laughs> but at least I did it. <laughs> there you go. There you go. And, and you know, I, I really have this kind of secret agenda to kill the diet industry. And, and by that I mean people who have products that set people up to fail and mm-hmm. that they become dependent on you once they fail, right? So anything that fits mm. that category, I want that to go away because sure. that hurts people. But sure. what you did actually... Do you mind if I tell us it was, a it was, little story it was for, about what you did? Yeah, I mean, I I I was put on it for um, yeast. Oh yeah, yeah, you know, That's candida, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. So I was put right. on it for that. So you can imagine what I couldn't eat. Oh yeah, and then uh, you know, because you can't really have sugars, and you nope. can't have gluten, and you can't have. <laughs> it just goes on and Anything on and on. Anything that feeds the yeast. <laughs> Uh, yeah, so please give us an example. Well, not an example so much, but, um, you know, even if you, you know, consciously thought, I'm proud of myself for doing that, what I find over and over again, it, you know, we've, worked, we, we've researched with thousands of people who go through whatever process they've done to themselves, you know, to try to get themselves to do one thing, right? And there is almost like a rebound in the unconscious mind uh, where if we suffered too much during those three weeks and it was uh, not <laughs> not acceptable to us, we will rebel against it the next time we try. And so, and so what's, what I wanted to point out to the listeners is that the, the best attitude that I've seen in the people who succeed is something like this. Well, I did, I did the... Um, yeast diet, you know, and I accomplished that, and I made a dent in that. That's great. And if I want to do that again and I don't 
see that I will do it because I'm two people, right? I'm the person who has the idea, let me do that again, and I'm the person who has to carry it out, right? If the person carrying it out, if the Kyra that has to do it is resistant or just doesn't start, then that's a sign that I need to what's called iterate, which means I adjust it, tweak it, maybe I find another solution just to keep it interesting or just to, you know, not uh, try to force myself because I'll rebel more and more. You know, people do this with deprivation all the time, right? They, they come out of a, a period where they've done something healthy, but they feel deprived, and that's kind of the side effect, right? And so what we want to do is deal with that side effect by being gentle on ourselves, the next time and saying, let's see, Denise, if you'll do this uh, chlamydia diet again. Uh, and, and if you don't find that you are super excited about that and start to do it immediately, then there might be some of this, you know, once burned, twice shy stuff from last time, right? From the last, first time you did it. Mm-hmm. That, Definitely. You know, un- unconsciously it kind of scarred you in a weird way, right? So then, <laughs> yeah. so then it's just, then it's just a curiosity thing, like, okay, well, I won't get myself to do that again, but maybe I can get myself to do another thing that might help also, mm-hmm. you know? Mm-hmm. And so and so people who succeed think like that. They, they think, all right, well, if that doesn't work, what else might? What what can I tweak? Mm-hmm. What can I try that's different? Mm-hmm. No, that's, that's, a, that's a, a great approach. It really is. Yeah, you'll have to let me know how, how it goes. I'm super curious. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, I'll send you an email. <laughs> Mm-hmm. How long ago did you establish your company, Engaged In? Oh, you know, I I started it in 2013, and uh, immediately I had people that knew of my the the stuff I had been doing before with large scale uh, intervention design, and they hired me to do research. They hired me to design certain patient programs, um, and even websites for uh, caregivers of elderly people and different things like that. So it was imme- it was immediate the the launch and I never had to you know kind of ask for people or beg people to do it. You know, once they realize, "Oh, there you can design for behaviors to happen, design for that to happen on purpose," then people feel like, "Oh, we have a new tool to be more effective in the world whether they are clinicians mm-hmm. or or people who have a product that helps people with their health. And then you've kind of taken it a step further where you've developed an app, haven't you? Yeah, so in the in the natural course of doing these projects, one of the people who went to a, a keynote of mine um, named David, he works for Walmart, and he's in charge of 1.5 million per people who work for Walmart. They They're well-being and mm-hmm. you know health and wellness and then the, that of their families and so he said well you know I need to change a lot of people's behavior and support them but they're all different how do I do that and mm-hmm. we did a lot of research with the employees of Walmart and it turns out that the most common denominator was what we all do every day which is food you know mm-hmm. so we established a software that uses this approach this it, you know, it, iterative mindset. You know, like if I if this doesn't work, I'm going to tweak it. That type of app and approaching it that way as a practice instead of a goal. You know, so most people say I want to lose 10 pounds. That is toxic for most people because unless you're an expert at losing weight, if you don't make that, you are going to have a backlash. 
in, within mm-hmm. yourself. Mm-hmm. And the area of your brain will say, you failed and your motivation will die, et cetera, et cetera. So what we designed with um, this app, and it's called Fresh Tries, free. Uh, Walmart has made it free for everyone to use. And it basically helps walk you through this mindset of practicing something and seeing if you can get yourself to do it. And if it doesn't work out for you, then iterating and finding something else that you might be more attracted to or you might have a better time right now getting yourself to do. So it's somewhat like trying on clothes in a store. You're trying on a bunch of different clothes, and you're not hating yourself if, you know, the, the winter coat isn't your color or um, you know, doesn't look as good as it did, you know, on the rack. You just go to the next coat. You know, you just it's very kind of not dramatic the way that we mm-hmm. are with, with dieting and those kinds of things. Are you able to track how many of the employees are using it? Yeah, we actually have thousands of people, um, and and we are we are just at the very beginning of the employees actually knowing that it exists. And so, mm-hmm. you know, for us, what's important is um, that awareness. And right now, we we've uh, done a pilot study with a a bunch of associates. Um, they call they're called associates by Walmart. Sure. And they are in the middle of measuring whether this helps them to lose weight. And in fact, okay. not only has it helped them to lose weight uh, at a statistically significant level, but they also have adopted this mindset of iteration rather easily, and they feel more empowered, and they feel more you know, able to contend with and overcome setbacks and and not not even buy into the word failure you know it's just iteration Mm -hmm. so Mm -hmm. they are doing very well we just got our midterm data back uh, two days ago and it's looking very good for them and you know really what matters to me is that people stop dieting and they start Mm -hmm. with this more lifestyle approach and saying this Mm -hmm. is a lifestyle because if you do it slower it sticks if you do it fast it bounces all over the place Yeah. Diets just don't work No, in the long term. And don't you think that the whole world is kind of awakening to that, even though it took so long? I mean, do you see that in your work as well? Well, well, what we we find is uh, nutrition deprivation Mm. as a result of not eating whole foods. Right, right. And the organic food industry has grown to the, it's just mind-boggling how huge it's become. Right. Now, it didn't do that by itself. Mm -hmm. People are buying into it. Mm -hmm. They're buying the products. Right. And a lot of the organic products aren't necessarily good for you. You know, I mean, if you go, to, <laughs> you know, organic sugar. You mean? <laughs> well, it's you know, you, you walk into to those markets, they still have similar sections that a regular grocery store does. Uh, right. You know, where you have the crackers and you have the chips and <laughs> and the cookies. Donut case. You know? Yeah. <laughs> right in the beginning, so, which I think is super unfair. <laughs> yes. Yes, indeed, it really yeah. is. You know, but you know, I, I think that we are changing. We're definitely changing for the good. Mm-hmm. What concerns me the most is uh, the expense 
um, food has gone up in price a great deal. Yeah. And between um, specifically people in California paying for their housing and their food, there isn't a lot left over these days. That's right. That's right. And are you aware? How are you how are you tackling that with with your clientele in terms of them making healthy choices? Yeah, absolutely. And and you know our clientele, uh, at least the initial users of the app. Of course, there's many other demographics that also use the app. Um, but for those that are uh, were the original people who helped to co-develop it and mm-hmm. make it for them, you know what we found is that it wasn't how you know, of course, in the very lowest 1%, it, it gets really bad. But you, it's amazing to me how little money had, people had but still could eat healthy when they were trying and incrementally getting there. So I agree with you that at the very top end, if everything's organic and everything's completely fresh and that sort of thing, that you're really in – and you're in a food desert, that you really have a lot of challenges. But it's also amazing to me – that people in Mississippi, people in uh, Louisiana, people in Texas, uh, who had whose stories were the informed, you know, the, the, had informed the creation of this software, how in, ingenious they were. You know, for example, one woman had, uh, you know, just taken chips that she used to pound a whole bag of chips, and her way of losing weight was to lick one chip and put it and throw it away, and she just wanted the taste, right? Okay. So then she stretched that bag out a lot, and she was able to free up more resources for other foods. And even, mm-hmm. you know, Walmart has this brand. I'm, I'm not trying to sell this, but I didn't know this. No, I'm sorry. Great, this Great For You brand, I think it's called Great Value or something on the shelf. But I didn't realize this, but they are the number one organic grocer in the United States. And they actually sell more organic food than anybody else. And they sell 20% of all organic food. And I never knew that. And and they also have frozen vegetables and those kinds of things. Again, I'm not a proponent of Walmart. Right. I'm very I'm very mixed on that. But it, it's amazing to me that people who are on a fixed budget, who do have financial challenges, when they put their minds to it, they can problem mm-hmm. solve all kinds of things. They start a garden. They have a co-op of other people in their neighborhood who have other fresh fruits and vegetables, and they swap those at church. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's mm-hmm. it's really this kind of like force of will that starts to emerge, but they have to start out with small baby steps to get that level of confidence and that level of conviction. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. I just saw this article yesterday on how there's a Blue Cross Blue Shield that you know they have a whole new division where they're basically giving people who are in the lower echelon of um, economics and in food deserts free food. They're just giving them food. So some of these experiments... Really? I haven't heard that. Are, that. Yeah, so some of these experiments um, will will pan out. You know, what from state a is design. that? You know what? I don't remember if it was Illinois or Minnesota, but it was mm-hmm. somewhere in the Midwest, mid-Northwest. Okay. And mm-hmm. what struck me about it was good idea and as a behavior designer i know for a fact that if you just throw free food at people it doesn't mean that it will they will eat them you know true go back to the you remember the story i told you about my mother you have to make sure that it is um you know tasty first and then Mm -hmm. you start to back off and they start to take over the process because they are now 
proud of themselves, like you were with your, you know, finishing mm-hmm. your three weeks of grueling <laughs> diet. Um, <laughs> but they own that. Like you owned that that accomplishment, mm-hmm. you know. And so mm-hmm. by them starting to take it over, instead of it being welfare handed to you, uh, there's a lot more empowerment around it and a lot more what's called intrinsic motivation, right, which is coming from within the person. And it's shown that if you get an external reward of any kind, Mm -hmm. that it actually kills your internal drive to do that. So I'm very sensitive to the fact that I wonder how this is going to work out because you might think that it's great to ship a bunch of food to somebody forever, but maybe it it hurts their internal drive. I don't know. So – I think it's a really interesting time, though, in the in the field of public health for this reason, because these mm-hmm. kinds of experiments are new, and uh, we can measure them because we have the technology and the data and things like that to be able to see what's good for people and what's maybe not what we thought. Remember the um, in the last um, presidential um, administration where they set up. Um, in the in the school lunch programs, um, healthier foods for the kids, yeah. and it it was a huge failure. I mean, they were just taking the food yeah. and throwing it in the trash can, and it was right. real whole food. Exactly, exactly. I actually saw a because uh, you have to do a whole cultural shift, right? You you again, I'll, I always go back to the brain, so forgive me, but there is an area in your brain that basically serves as a me not me filter. And so what it does is that if you see food that you don't typically eat, that immediately mm-hmm. goes into not me. Just like, I don't know, if you, if you saw a magazine, name a magazine that would not appeal to you. Uh, a topic uh, that, popular, popular Mechanics. Right. So Popular Mechanics is basically invisible to you. If you I guarantee you if, you, if you if that was at a stand where you were at a checkout, you wouldn't even mm-hmm. notice it because your brain is so good mm-hmm. at focusing only on what is me and ignoring mm-hmm. what is not me, right? Mm-hmm. So this happens constantly. So, of course, the food that is not me, meaning the kids only want the me food, the, the drug food, and the entire society mm-hmm. saying chicken nuggets and, you know, gummy bears and everything like that, they're not even going to see it, just like the Popular Mechanics magazine. So mm-hmm. that's what happened. And that's why, you know, for me, it, it's wonderful, these policies, but that's how I landed, honestly, in behavior design because it's the most powerful tool that I know of right now. It really is. You have yeah. me convinced. <laughs> <laughs> well, hopefully, you know, our time is not for naught, right? I mean, I'm hoping the <laughs> listeners are, are on board, too, because the more of us that really start to explore this and start to wake up to this, um, this, this is democracy. You know, you, can, you, can, you are a behavior designer. Even to get yourself to do the Canada thing, you are, you know, and, and everybody has that. But what I find that once I call it out, people start to think like that, like my staff, mm-hmm. every new employee we get, they start to think like this, and then they start to iterate when they mm-hmm. reach some sort of obstacle, and it's just they're, they're, non, they're unstoppable, you know, they're mm-hmm. completely unstoppable, mm-hmm. and that's what I want everybody to be unstoppable. That would be mm-hmm. a dream of mine. Well, you know, it, it's, it's fascinating. Uh, cancer people are being diagnosed these days you know it used to be one out of eight now i think it's one out of every two yeah and if they uh seek um alternative medicine in conjunction 
with Western. Um, they will end up with a nutritionist. And the first thing they do is, you've got to change your diet. I've watched it over and over again. Not, It's just not successful. They're miserable, absolutely miserable, mm-hmm. because they don't have the tools mm-hmm. to do it. Yeah. yeah. And it's, it's so very, very important for them. So, you know, a shift in how that's presented would be most helpful. You want to work on that? I am trying. <laughs> I mean, I'm trying. Yeah. I mean, you know, you hit a nerve for me because my father is actually dying of cancer. Oh, and I'm sorry. Thank you. And and he chose that he didn't want to go to this extreme, you know, bone marrow transplant level. He didn't want to have that much Western health care. And so he's been trying raw garlic. He's been trying, you mm. know, uh, an alkaline diet and things like that. So he's very much approaching this you know, with his own behavior designer. He also has, uh, he goes to yoga. He started yoga at 74. I mean, he's amazing. Good for him. Yeah, and, and he also is, uh, you know, working with a, um, a Reiki, you know, a, a mm-hmm. therapeutic touch person. And it's just, he said, you know what, Kyra, he said, if, if it doesn't work, at least I'll die happy, you know, because he, he's in a state of empowerment, and that's wonderful and beautiful for him. But you're right that, you know, we, we think just because we inform you of something, again, I know what I should do, that mm-hmm. somehow somebody's mm-hmm. going to be able to do it, right? And that is just mm-hmm. simply not true. And that's that's where I live. That's where I come in and say, you know mm-hmm. what, I know I was trained as a clinician to lecture to people and say blah, blah, blah in a visit, and then, you know, you know that I know that you know that I know that you're not going to go do that. <laughs> but at least I did... I checked the box and I told you what I was trained to tell you, right? Mm-hmm. And then mm-hmm. I and then you may feel embarrassed because you don't do it when you come back to me, but I actually didn't help you to succeed and you don't have the skills to make yourself succeed. So mm-hmm. it's, it's just a it's just a big empty, you know, blind spot for us as a species. We don't know how to get ourselves to do the thing that is best for us. And well, yeah. Yeah, go ahead. Yeah. It 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 it's very true, and I and I think particularly with uh, illness such as with your father, um, there's a huge mind body connection, and that's what he's that's what he's working on, absolutely, unquestionably. Yeah, absolutely. And it's amazing. And it is absolutely amazing yeah. the outcomes that you can have with positive attitudes, and and the will the sheer willpower. Yeah. The the faith and the and the you know that there's I always thought in medical school that why are we poo pooing placebo effect? Why don't we purposely Every elicit? study has it. Every study has it. Well every study has it and you know, it reduces half our pain if we believe in it. Uh, mm-hmm. why can't we elicit that on purpose? You know, why can't we design for it instead of uh, you know, excluding it? as part mm-hmm. of the therapeutic benefits that what it does is it points to our incredible power to self heal to yes. self to change mm-hmm. our experience of something right mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. in that state of mind I, I wish that for everybody you know i i want right. everybody to to 
believe and to be as empowered as my father is right now. Mm-hmm. He's mm-hmm. struggling, but he's he's doing it, you know. Good so for him. Cool. Yeah. Very, very much so. Yeah. Now, um, you wrote a book, correct? Yes, on this. And when <laughs> when did it come? When <laughs> when did you do that? So I did that about uh, let's see, 2015, I believe, and oh, it's okay. been you know 2016. Excuse me, is when it came out, and it's been amazing. Every day, I just spoke with somebody today who was a behavioral scientist for the the food, like the fruit and vegetable people, you know, mm-hmm. and she looks at, you know, fruit and vegetable intake, tries to get the pub- public to, you know, eat more vegetables, and so she's been reading it, and she loves it, so anybody who's into changing their own behaviors, changing their kids' behaviors, changing patient behaviors, whatever that is, um, loves the book, and it kind of sells itself, actually, it it does its thing, and, and I I feel very proud of it. You know, a lot of times when, when I've created things in the past, you know, I look back and I'm like, ooh, that was, you know, it's like it's like any musician or artist, like, ooh, my early work isn't so great. But actually I feel really strongly about this book and its purpose and the people who enjoy it and find it, you know, uh, helpful to them, they are of a certain tribe, you know. They're people who really want to, you know, move themselves from A to B and, this is for them. They love it. Listeners, if you're just joining in with us, we're talking with Dr. Kyra Bobinette, and she's written a book called A Well-Designed Life. Where can people find your book? It's on Amazon, and there's um, there's Kindle for the people who have the Kindle. There's the paperback for people who like a good paper book, which I do, um, and then the commuters love the audiobook. <laughs> So yeah. It's it's just, you know, whatever people are drawn to, it's always super funny. <laughs> well, I'm glad that you wrote it because I'm sure it's yeah. helping a lot of people. Yeah. That that's that's what's so satisfying and it has its own tribe, you know, of of like-minded mm-hmm. people who uh again, I find that people who are doing good things themselves or the world tend to have an intuition that they're working from because they have an expertise. And Mm -hmm. what the book does is it kind of expands that and validates that with the science and maybe some new tools, you know. Mm -hmm. And so it plays off of what they already know from their field of study or their expertise and builds on that. And that's that's what I hear over and over again is the most valuable thing for people. Excellent. Absolutely excellent. What would you say is your secret sauce for sustainable behavioral change? Because it's probably the most important thing that we'll talk about today. (laughs) Yeah, yeah, right. (laughs) I think what makes me different than everybody else, including for myself, is that um, if I'm doing something and it's working for me, I know and most people don't know that it is only a matter of time before that doesn't work for me anymore because I will either graduate from it because I'm bored of, you know, it's too remedial for me and I want to challenge myself or because my life changed in some way, 
you know, over and over mm-hmm. again I hear stories, you know, somebody said, well, I was doing really well, but then I got promoted and I moved from night shift to day shift. And then mm-hmm. disruption mm-hmm. happened and I couldn't, I couldn't go to my same routine. Or somebody, you know, moves from one apartment to another or a house to another and they're now away from that Zumba class that they enjoyed so much or that yoga uh, or, you know what I'm saying? Like it's just, sure. it, it's not a matter of if, it's a matter of when something mm-hmm. will not work for you. And that mm-hmm. keeps sane and it also keeps me honest with myself. And, it, and then I don't blame myself. The, the thing that I never do is blame myself for my behavior. So if I see myself relapse, like for example, I went up to see my dad in, in Portland, Oregon and uh, had a stressful weekend you know, mm-hmm. a couple months ago, and I think I ate everything in sight. I did. <laughs> and I came back, and I was like, well, that didn't work. <laughs> my system, I just blew through my whole system, you know. And so I sure. find it humorous and playful, uh, whereas I used to hate myself. I hated myself oh. for decades. I hated myself. Oh, and I still no. struggle with that, honestly, Denise. I, I still, str- as all oh. women, I think, probably do to some extent because we are programmed. Really? I think a lot of women are programmed or were, I guess, in where I grew up, mm. to be hard on themselves and their bodies and not like themselves. And not oh, okay. Themselves. Yeah. I, I see what at. you're saying now. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. And yeah. so, you know, I would always be so frustrated with myself and so disappointed in myself. And, and now I just, I just, know what's flow going with on. it you just yeah you well, just, I just know you what just i know what my brain's flow. doing i know what my brain's uh-huh. doing and i know what to do uh-huh. next which is just get back to something get that, back on the wagon iterate just, <laughs> just iterate just iterate yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's, it, this is kind of a, a funny example but um our sub-zero refrigerator broke three weeks ago oh wow and and no matter what we did we just could find a resolution and so of course I'm pretty good with my diet. I love fruits uh-huh. and vegetables, et cetera. I'm uh-huh. not a refrigerator. <laughs> yeah, forget <laughs> so, that. So my my whole thing just blew up. Yep. So, you know, just like when you went to exactly. see your dad. Everything exactly. just blew up. Exactly. You know, I, <laughs> you know, and then today we didn't have water because they're working right. on, the, on the water line. I mean, it's just, this month has just been, oh, my gosh. <laughs> it's every disruption you could possibly absorb. And, yes, and, yes. And so, you know, there's. I'll point out one interesting, cute thing about, about the brain for those who may not have spent a lot of time, you know, in mindfulness or anything like that. There's, there's two gears, right? There's, there's the part of you that's listening to us, and then there's mm-hmm. the part of you that's watching yourself listen to us. And that second part that is called a metacognitive state, it's, it's a metacognition. It means that you're sort of the observer of your own life at the same time that you're living the life. And so what I think is, again, the part of me that just gets really uh, playful is the, the part of me that observes my own self. Like sometimes I'll observe myself scarfing something real time. I'll be watching myself <laughs> helplessly. It's almost like I'm watching a movie of myself stuffing my face, and I can do nothing about it. It's just happening. And I'm just like, okay, that's, that's an interesting movie I'm watching. And then, I, then as soon as I have a chance to insert myself again, I do, you know, and and forget the past and and wipe that up. It doesn't. Sometimes it doesn't even matter why I did that, right? I mean, I can uh-huh. say my dad triggered me or whatever, but sometimes I think people waste so much energy 
trying to unpack why they are, you know, relapsing. Why they're doing, yeah, Yeah, exactly. Yeah, and just sometimes that doesn't lead anywhere except for feeling bad about yourself. So if you're that kind of person, I would just say, you're, you're, you have permission from me to forget that part and just mm-hmm. say, all right, now what do I do to, to re-engage myself, right? And that's exactly, all yeah. You know, Stay we're, in effort. We're imperfect human beings. That's just how it is. Yeah. Yep. <laughs> there's, there's no perfection. <laughs> Accepted. Accepted. Yeah. Huh? Yeah. Yeah. And, you know, you can set your expectations expectations but that doesn't necessarily mean you're going to achieve them no no and and i think achievement to me is staying with effort and and returning Mm -hmm. to effort so i like that you know inspired by these thousands of people who succeed in what they all do in common i have now come to see it as all that matters is am i in effort if i fall out of effort how do i get back in effort and if I just do that, one little simple thing, then everything else will work out that I want. Mhm. Mhm. Well, that's that's a that's a great closing statement. <laughs> I love it. <laughs> oh, what level when that happens, huh? <laughs> well, I think we've had a really a, a a marvelous time here. Yes. And um, we've covered a lot. I really appreciate you. And the work that you're doing. You too. And thank you so much. Yeah, thank you for having me. It's just delightful. And thank you for the good work that you do. All right. Take care. You too. Bye-bye. Bye. That wraps up our show for today. Again, we'll have somebody marvelous for you next Wednesday, 4 p.m. Until then, please be well. We celebrate our listeners worldwide and invite you to contact Denise at www.healthmedianow.com with any questions you may have and follow her on Twitter at Health Media Now and Facebook at Health Media Now. For those interested in an advertising campaign on her show, contact Lisa at knowledgeworkspub.com. Be sure to visit Got Cancer? Now What? for information on Denise Messenger's award-winning book, Got Cancer? Now What?